Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Um, this is a little different than just any ordinary public speaking event. I take this very seriously because this is the Word of God. <clears throat> and there's words of life in this thing right here. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I, this is allergy time for me, and I'm just having a struggle with my voice over the last couple of weeks, so you'll just have to bear with me. You're stuck with me for another 30 minutes. So, um, recently, I, I shared this with the men's breakfast uh, on May 11th, and uh, I just thought I'd share it here today. It's nothing profound, nothing deep, but it it's one of, I don't know how God talks to you, but a lot of times during a sermon, just one thought, just one, out of all of the words that are in a half hour or 45 minute or even hour sermon, something will be said that triggers a thought. And I think that's how God speaks to us and <coughs> excuse me, individually. I was talking with Kevin Marty, who's my good buddy. He's a fisherman, so he can't be all bad. And we were talking, we were out fishing. And I just asked him, you know, when you pray, do you get distracted? And because I do, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, the older I get, I think the more ADD I am. And his answer was a really good one, I think. He said, well, sometimes just listen. You don't have to talk all the time when you're praying, right? So <clears throat> when Brother Wolfram was here, um, what is that, a couple months ago now or so, he, you know, on Sunday morning, he kind of went through his life story. And he, he told about his service as a Navy SEAL and how he, was, he ended up in Vietnam. If you were here, if you recall, how he, he talked about, he was living with, I think, five other Navy SEALs. And they were, they were in skirmishes and what have you, and he was injured and got taken out of the, the place where he was living and was taken to a hospital, and they patched him up, and he was anxious to get back to be with his comrades. But they kept saying, nope, you can't go, you can't go. And what happened? The place he was living was bombed or something like that, and all the guys he was living with died. And his question was, well, why me? Wasn't I, why wasn't I part of that? Why am I still here? I uh, also <clears throat> follow a fellow on YouTube. It's a fishing channel, and this guy's name is Chad Hoover, and he was in the Navy. And his um, service was, he was part of a rescue team that would go in helicopters to pull out injured soldiers. And so he, uh, a year ago this, this past Memorial Day, put up a YouTube uh, video where he talked about this. 
And he got very emotional and just wept because he said that a lot of the, the missions they'd go on, they'd go to rescue a guy and what they'd get were his body parts. And he asked the same question, why me? Why was I spared? And he, there is a syndrome, it's called survivor syndrome, where <clears throat> people see terrible things happen to others, but not to them, and they ask, why me? Well, um, I don't know about you, but have you ever had why me moments, or a why me moment? Probably have. And just recently, is Chad here this morning? Um, there he is. He, get, he got up here and gave a testimony about how he was on County Highway F in Jefferson County. It's a real twisty road between Exonia and I-94. And somebody was coming the opposite direction, right? And he went off the road, did a, did a flip or something, or a, but landed upright and was unhurt. His car was wrecked, right? But he's okay. Well, why me? Why, why did I survive that? Why? So <clears throat> I think at some time there is a point in life where we have to pause and say, take a moment and say, why, why me? Why did this happen or why didn't this happen? Well, I think we've got we to look at the big picture and realize that number one, God's in control. Psalms 37, 23, and 24 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Psalms 118.6 says, The Lord's on my side. I will not fear. What can men do to me? God's not neutral when it comes to his people. And he's in control. And he's picked sides. And he's on my side. He's on your side. And we need to, <clears throat> we need to understand that. So... When we have those why me moments, it's also a good time to look for lessons. You know, what, if you're serving God, God has a purpose in everything that happens in your life. And if you will allow it, he can use it to teach you. Brother Brown and I were just talking uh, here. As we get older, we've got things that we can look back on where God has provided or has taken care of us in difficult times. And as you get more of those to look back on, it becomes a little easier to trust the Lord. And so as we, as we move through life and we serve God and we come to understand that God's really on our side, he, he's not, he's not neutral. He, and so when things happen to us, there's got to be a purpose in it. And whatever, if we allow God to, and one of the things you have to be to allow God to work 
things, you know, Romans, it says all things work together for the good. Not just to anybody, right? To those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Pretty close. So if we, if we recognize that, I can tell you that God is not instant coffee. He's not just, oh, this happened, add water, bang, it's fixed. That's not the way God works. Matter of fact, he will delay things. Remember Lazarus? He knew Lazarus died, but he had a greater purpose for the death of Lazarus than just to heal another guy. The purpose of Lazarus, and and it even says in the scripture that he waited beyond, he knew he had died and he still waited, and nobody around him understood why. But he had a purpose, and that purpose was, it's not just another healing that'll go down maybe in the annals of, of scripture, but he proved in that incident that he had power over death and the grave. So he had a purpose, but he didn't do it instantly. And so one of the things we must have to allow God to work his purpose is patience. You know, God give me patience, but give it to me right now. That's not the way it works. And so again, as you get older, things happen, it's easier to be patient because you've got some benchmarks in the rear view mirror that help you understand how God works. So, um, <clears throat> so when things, when we have these why me moments, we have to understand that some things in life serve a greater purpose according to God's will for your life. You know, I've heard Brother Kylie say many times when, when bad things happen to you, what, what can be learned? And you, you can either become better or you can become bitter. You know, on men's breakfast yesterday, Brother Hemingway talked about forgiveness. You know, that, that's, when you are an unforgiving person, it's easy to get bitter. It's easy to get bitter about a lot of things. And I, I tell you, I think some people walk around with their feelings on their, their, feelings on their sleeve saying, go ahead and offend me so that I can be bitter. But bitterness is a horrible thing because if I'm bitter against you, it has no impact on you at all, but it eats me alive. And it's a terrible thing to be bitter. So be careful when things don't go your way just like you'd like them to that allow them to make you better, not bitter. The old cliche, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, right? Turn the negative into a positive. And consider, if you remember, if you weren't here to hear Brother Wolfram, you really missed a blessing. I, that service sticks out in my mind. That I probably won't forget that for a long time, but you look at the path that he took to get to where he is now as a minister of the gospel. You can say there is hope no matter where you've come from. Everybody has a path. Everybody has a story. And if we allow it, we can, we can allow it to, if we let it, we can allow it to bring us to God. 
Well, when things don't go just great, another, things we should, another thing we should do is give thanks. First Thessalonians 5 and 18, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It does not say, does not say in all good things give thanks. It says just in all things. That means good or bad. You know, I, I learned a lot of life's lessons learning how to fly. And, and I've shared some of these. But <clears throat> when I was studying for the instrument written exam for, to get an instrument rating, I worked with a fellow that was a certified flight instructor. And so we, we, I rented a motel room and we locked ourselves in this motel room for a weekend to cram to study for the instrument written. And a lot of the stuff that's in those exams has to do with regulations that are established by the Federal Aviation Agency. And I can remember, I can, his words echo in my mind. We'd read a regulation and he would say, does not say. You have to not only understand what it says, but you have to understand what it doesn't say. So what this doesn't say is that every good thing, it just says everything, give thanks. So <clears throat> trusting God, as I mentioned, maybe gets easier as you get older. Um, maybe I should just say have more experience with God. Here are six reasons you should trust God. Isaiah 43 and one says, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by name, thou art mine. God knows your name. He knows who you are, he knows your address. I remember Brother Ellis years ago, we were, he came to our shop and I was showing him some things that we were doing and it wasn't a great time and he looked at me and he says, never forget that God knows your address. He knows where you live. He knows, he knows where you are. He doesn't need a GPS tracker. He just knows you by name and he knows where you are. You know what else? He'll fight for you. Exodus 14 and 14 says, the Lord shall fight for you, <clears throat> for you and you shall hold your peace. He also, he thinks about you. Psalms 139 and 17 says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. He has plans for you. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. He is your refuge. Psalms 62 and 6 says, He is only my rock, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Psalm 62 and, uh, 62 and 8 says, Trust in him at all times, O ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And then, I don't know if you know this, but he's always with you too. Matthew 28, 20 says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So God has earned our trust. He can be trusted. 
So <clears throat> in, in difficult times, if we suffer loss, there are a couple of great biblical examples about how we should respond to those things. And if you recall the story of David in his relationship with Bathsheba, she became pregnant with his child. And this was not a good situation. Matter of fact, David, you know, the thing that David did was in most sin, the root of the sin is selfishness. You know, it's things that this is the way I want it, this is what I want, and I don't care what God says, this is what I want. Boy, today that's really a prevalent theme. It's all about me, right? It's never all about me. It's always, your, what you do in life has an impact on others. You're like a stone thrown in a pond. The ripples eventually reach the shore and everything in between. So the things we do affect others around us. So David, Bathsheba is pregnant and the baby that she has is about to die. And so David in 2 Samuel 12, 15 through 20, this is the story. And Nathan departed unto his house and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife, it's not David's wife. Uriah's wife and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David and it was very sick David therefore besought God for the child and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth and the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth but he would not neither did he eat bread with him and it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Verse 20, then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came in to the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he came to his own house and when he required, they set bread before him and he did eat. So what did David do? He fasted. Have you ever fasted over something that was really important to you? Have you spent time on your face, literally on your face before God, asking him to do something for you. And then it didn't happen. He didn't answer your prayer like you wanted it answered. Well, how do we respond when that kind of thing happens? What did David do? Well, first thing he did, says he got up. What do you do? Paul said when you've done everything to do to stand stand therefore there's times when all you can do is just stand but in this case David got up he washed and he prepared himself 
to go to the house of God, and then he worshiped. He got up, he washed, he worshiped. And there's something we can take from that, from how David responded to something that was really, really important to him. I mean, his servants feared that he was going to die. That's how distressed that he was. But when it was all said and done, get up, get washed, go to the house of God and worship. There's one step in here that's really, really important. Don't isolate yourself. Don't stay at home and feel sorry for yourself. Get up and wash and then go to church. This is where we find fellowship with one another. This is where we find here encouraging things. Not just in sermons. Man, it's good to see you here. It's good to see your smiling face here. When we, when we come to the house of God, it's more than just about worship and preaching. We get to see one another. And we are to bear one another's burdens. Is that correct? So hopefully you come to the house of God. Come to church and get encouraged. Don't quit. Don't stop. So another good example of someone that suffered loss was Job. We all know his we know, all know Job's story. I can't imagine. I cannot wrap my head around what happened to Job. I know people who have lost children. No parent should outlive a child. It's that's got to be the most horrible thing. We've been Jan and I not too long ago, like two years ago, a kid that our kids grew up with, we went to his funeral. He was in his 30s. His folks were, as you'd expect, I mean, how do you deal with something like that? But Job didn't just lose one. Man, he lost them all and lost everything he had in addition to it. In just a a short time, he lost his family and his possessions and sat there broke and broke in. So what did Job do? Job 1 and 20. Then Job arose. Just, Just like David. First thing he did was he got up. He arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head. He humbled himself and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord hath given, taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't know if I'm that tough or not. I hope I don't find out. You know, one of the things, I don't know, you others that preach, Teach. I don't know if it ever happens to you, but some of the stuff that I teach about, I'm challenged with not long after. It's easy. Talk is cheap, right? I think some guy, sometimes God tests us to see if our words are just words or if it's really part of our character. So I'm careful what I say. (laughs) I'm not asking for what Job had. I'm just saying that Job 
What a guy. You know, in this time, I gotta be careful here because this whole thing about toxic masculinity <laughs> that we hear about now, you know what? Jesus Christ was one of the toughest men that ever lived. He was tough. Do you know as he suffered, have any of you seen the passion of the Christ? Where he's beaten and then has to carry the cross up to Calvary? Oh man, to, to just survive that and then continue with what he had to do. He was tough. So people that say, oh, you're one of those Christian guys, you kind of kind of weak. I'm telling you what, if you're a real man and a real man of God, you are not a weakling. You are a man as God created man and woman, right? And I'm not, don't misunderstand me, I'm not denigrating women in any way. I'm just saying, men, we need to be men. Matter of fact, I think, was it you, Brother Rob? Read scripture where over and over said to men, quit yourself and fight like men, right? right? Quit yourself, that's an interesting way to say that. <clears throat> but be a man. So, so anyway, as we consider some of these why me life's moments where things necessarily don't go our way, there's a, another kind of a why me. After brother, the service with Brother Wolfram, I went back and talked to him a little bit. And I explained to him that while he was preaching, I had one of those why me moments. But it was a lot different than his. And I've told this story, this is my story. This is my testimony. This is where I've come from. And you've all got a story. You've all got a testimony. And <clears throat> when I considered what he had to say that Sunday morning, the why me for me was that, you know what? I'm fourth generation apostolic. My great grandmother <clears throat> married a man who, whose wife, he had been married and his wife passed away at a young age, but they had two sons. And when he remarried, he married my great-grandmother. And as those sons got older, they moved away. They were from upper Michigan, up near Escanaba. Escanaba, there's no, I guess there is a movie, right? Escanaba in the Moonlight or something like that. It's not, a, it's not a famous place. And where they lived was outside of Escanaba on a little farm. And so these, there wasn't a lot to hold these young men there. So they moved away and they went to California and they started to write home about things that were happening to them and experience that they had with God. And it turns out that they were in the Azusa Street Revival. And <clears throat> so the letters they wrote home to my great-grandmother and her husband were, this is what the scripture says. They looked into it, they saw it, they were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, and they used to have church meetings on that little farm in Sioux Hill, Michigan, back in the early 1900s. 
So here I am today. What are the chances, folks? You know, right back there is generation five and six. What are the chances? Why me? Why me? Well, the answer to that is actually pretty easy. Romans 5 and 8 says, but God commanded his love toward us. In that, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. I don't know if you know this, but God loves you. It's that simple. Why am I here? Because somehow, some way, God used my ancestors to see the truth. And here I stand today. And why me? Why me? But you know what? As I look at every one of you, why you? It's because God loves you. That's why you. You know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? He loved you enough to die for you. And Bible says no, <clears throat> there's no greater love than if a, if a person lay down their life for a friend. He loves you. So we should be the most grateful people on the face of the earth because God's greatest act of grace is the plan of salvation. And we found it. Nothing greater than that. There's nothing... He couldn't have given us any greater gift than repentance, baptism in his name, and the infilling of his spirit. The Bible says that the way to heaven is narrow and few that be there, there be that find it. The way to destruction is broad. So why us? Well, he didn't save us just to keep this to ourselves, right? Told his disciples to go make disciples. And that's what we're trying to do here now, right? There's a story being told here at Abundant Life. You know what's happening here. We're in transition, right? And the, the foundation that's been laid for the last 40 years by brother and sister Kylie, God calling them here. I can tell you this, look at this facility, look at what is here. It's not look at what Rick Kylie has done. It's look at what God has done. <clears throat> and, if, and if you know the story of Queen Esther, you know, as she went before the king, for such a time as this, right? We're not here, I don't believe we're here by accident. I don't believe, I don't believe in luck. I believe in blessing. I believe in God's 
purpose and direction, but I don't believe in luck. So I don't think that any of us are here by accident. So we need to finish writing the story and so that others can sit here and have a why me moment. God bless you. Remember who you are and the name that you bear. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.